0: It's May 27th, 2019. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here today in Forest Hills, Queens with John Deriszewski. Hi, John. Hi. So how long did you live in Greenpoint?
1: Well, I I lived from the time I was born, which was 1950, until when I uh, left to uh, go to Forest Hills in 2001. So it's been like, you know, just about 51, my first 51 years. And obviously I saw a lot of differences during that time.
0: Well, what, tell me about what what streets you grew up on.
1: Well, I basically, have, there are like four four areas where I did. I grew up first 15 or so years on uh, Humboldt Street, uh, directly across St. Stanislaus Church. Uh, then we moved to Morgan Avenue um, between uh, Driggs and Nassau. Uh on the east uh, end of Greenpoint, um, my grandparents had moved. Also lived on the blocks. When you it very close to the convergence between the industrial and the uh, the residential area, then I moved to North Henry Street. While well, there, from like 1970 until about 19 from 65 to 80 or so. Then 1980, I moved to an apartment on North North Henry, just south of Macaulay Park, between Driggs and um, uh, Engert a uh, nice, you know, two-family house. Then after one year, um, from 97 to 98, on Leonard Street on a beautiful building, but with a landlady from hell, um, we um, spent the last or three years living on Monitor Street uh, between uh, Nassau and Norman, also very close to the industrial area, uh, but in a very nice residential block. And then, you know, because basically... Um, We couldn't continue renting uh, there and uh, look for another apartment. We found a very nice uh, and affordable co-op over here in Forest Hills, and uh, we have been there since. And, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've been close to uh, following developments in Greenpoint from afar, as well as um, Williamsburg and Bushwick, where I also have spent a lot of time and did some some important work a number of years ago in Bushwick. and um, so, you know, so I think I've, have I've been an observer for the last eighteen years, although not a resident.
0: Right. Well, you always lived east of McGinnis, It seems when you lived in Greenpoint.
1: For the most part, except for that one year in Leonard Street. Right. Yeah.
0: And so, being sort of near the industrial zone so much, like, tell me about what it was like to grow up in that area. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I think the important thing is to know that when you were growing, and I'm talking about from. When I first really got conscious of things from the you know mid to late fifties onward in the sixties, it's it really was a totally different kind of area uh, from a lot of areas. First of all, it was very much of a kind of a you know working class, lower middle class, uh, gritty, um, very ethnic community, largely Polish but with some Irish and Italian, uh, very very Catholic. I mean, there were some Protestant churches, but there were you know there were really in decline in terms of membership uh, there. I mean, you, you grew up going to a Catholic, uh, Polish Catholic grammar school. I practically thought of most people were Polish. And then when I went to high school in, in Williamsburg and most holy trinity is that, well, not really that, but most people were still Catholic. And it was only until I uh, went and very, very good move went. And instead of going to a Catholic college, I went to CCNY, I kind of saw how diverse uh, the whole city was, which was a very liberating experience. I mean, uh, growing up in Greenpoint could be very parochial at the time, particularly. Um, The city, it was very gritty, very much of a working class with a very strong industrial base. And where, uh, when really in terms of environmental uh, concerns, people were really either stoical or just accepted things as they were. Um, There was, I mean... One of the things that we remembered, you know, just from, you know, odors in one's memory, were there was a, um, I guess, an, uh, an animal food processing plant, uh, which I'm sure I'm not the first person to mention. Um, where on a, um, when the wind was in the right direction, would 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 totally dominate the entire community with a uh, smell that probably, I guess, approximated rotten cheese is probably the best one. I mean, but people got to know it. They weren't, it was something, it was how things were. Um, from where my, uh, my well, both my grandparents and then we lived um, on Morgan Avenue, it was right down the block from a active foundry called Taylor's where um, there was this kind of almost like, we call like a cracker, which um, uh, there was at the top like a, um, like a con- a constant flame that was always there in order to, probably burn away any kind of gas that otherwise might have, uh, you know, polluted even more so the area. But, I mean, it was kind of a situation where uh, if things had gone wrong, it could have been a really major uh, uh, problem, you know, for the whole whole community. I mean, my my grandfather, my, my father's father, worked there, and it was a perfect example of how so many people did work in Greenpoint at the time. I mean, he would get up, go to work, um, you know, with a you know a four or five minute commute, um, go back at lunchtime where my grandmother would make him lunch, and then go back to the rest of the, the work. My my father's two sisters worked in Greenpoint. My my auntess in Truns which uh, was a meat processing pl- pl- plant, which was right down the block, really in Morgan, just south of Meeker, where I guess the um, McDonald's and the um, uh, Staples is now. Uh, and my aunt Jane worked in Leviton's, which is on Greenpoint Avenue. And just to show how people were, um, the again the the kind of pollution that people accepted is really it was pretty kind of staggering. In you know uh, where there'd be you know uh, open smokestacks, um, uh, clearly terrible water pollution. I mean, people took Newtown Creek, which was infinite, as bad as it is now, was infinitely worse during that time, uh, as just, well, that's how things are. There was a very, um, uh, kind of a stoic, this is how it is. It's, and I, I think that was true, not only for the environment, but also for, um, just how to deal with how people could work against governmental actions. I mean, I, I actually wrote a, a little piece in Facebook that I, you, you may want to look at concerning, it says, remembering, uh, Oakland Street, which was the uh, mm-hmm. the very small street uh, uh, that was kind of rudely replaced by McGinnis Boulevard. And the thing about that was that was a huge project where the entire side of the entire street and probably several hundreds of units were totally displaced. And it was basically seen as, well, that's how things are. There was no great uh opposition that's government was expected um and um, you know it was that kind of a, of a feeling it, I mean there'd be a reaction that would occur and in many ways you start seeing it with a vengeance occurring particularly in the 1970s where um, well in some areas and in in, in, resp- in in response to trying to expand industry even further in the north side uh, part of Williamsburg there was great opposition to plans that would have knocked down, uh, and did, did demolish several um, uh, block fronts in order to expand an industry that wound up after a few years, didn't expand, and B went bankrupt. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, but there was a community opposition that was, that was expecting, that was, you know, was occurring and that I would become involved in, particularly in, you know, in the 1970s. but but, th- but at the time it was really rough um, the waterfront I think you need to talk a little bit about was again um, while it was in clear decline in terms of the you know the amount of, of work there they were still very active uh, in the north side there was the uh, the Eastern district Railroad, which basically you know um, railroad cars going several blocks in to either pick up or, or drop off their deliveries and then, and then would put the, um, uh, the, um, the railroad cars on huge barges that would then go probably to New Jersey and the rest of the country. There was also something very similar to that, right? well it's Gangway Park, which is in Long Island City where the Long Island Railroad had. Um, and then there were the, the, the piers, which you know, were, you know, as I say, in, in decline. There was very very little uh, public space on waterfront. Um, I would think there were only three areas where the city really owned. Have uh, in, in 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 Williamsburg there was the um, the end of Grand Street where um, because there had even been a municipal ferry until the early nineteen twenties it was like city owned land but you know it was not being used for anything. Uh, then there was the end of Greenpoint Avenue, which is now the Transmitter Park, uh, but that was being used by transactive tra- radio transmitters, and so far wasn't active. And the third area was the um, the pier at the end of Noble Street, which um, at that time was probably the easiest to get to because the um, there was a um, a fireboat that was stationed there. Um, and, and therefore, you know, it was active, you can get to it. And um, that was, uh, that pier would basically, uh, when the fire department would go into deterioration and um, would basically be closed off. Uh, so, I mean, there was, you know, even though the waterfront was considered to be potentially a great resource, it was, you know, totally out of, really out of reach. Um, the, by the early 70s, I mean, the, the docks were like almost inactive. I mean, the, the, I remembered finding that the local, um, local of the ILA, the, the, the Longshoremen's Union, had only like around 15, 16 members left uh, there, just showing how little work that there was. And so it was, you know, an area where people wanted to see development and something occur, you know, people were always unclear. There was also at the time uh, not that much concern for you know what would be called landmarking or preservation Um, people were more interested i mean people were more interested in say looking at a school uh, building like ps34 which is incredible historical building from the 1860s and they'd say well it's too old it's outdated we should tear it down and build it, replace it with something else. It was a, a different kind of mindset that was occurring that was gonna change and, and will and would change. Um, but, um, um, you know, but that's how, in a sense, people it was. And, um, you know, looking back, it's been very, you know, um, it's really different. You have, to, you have to look at that as a baseline to see where things have come.
0: And how do you feel about how things have changed? Well,
1: I think, well, first of all, on one level, um, certainly environmentally, things have changed tremendously for the better. Um, you could not, uh, you know... And it's, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, as they have changed, so have expectations increased. And so, I mean... Uh, You know, you hear the the Newtown Creek um, consistently and accurately being referred to as one of the most polluted waterways in the country, but you don't realize how less polluted and how less totally fetid it is now than it was then. Uh, At that time, I mean, you would be crazy to even think of fishing or anything in the East River. and because of a number of things, you know, this, the impact of federal law, the, um, the the impact of a lot of state actions, obviously the Newtown Creek water pollution plant and um, enhancements that have been made there have uh, in greatly increased the um, the amount of uh, of uh, the, well, water quality, the impact of that, um, the decline in industry. Uh, I mean, while that created some very significant problems in terms of the loss of jobs, I mean, you know, I'm sure there were far fewer people who could do what my, my grandmother my grandfather and his two my two aunts had done just kind of walking to work now. Um, but that means that the extent to which they were polluting uh, the area, and of course some of the worst uh, polluters were... Um, uh, some of the worst polluters were closed down. I mean, there was this—I don't know—it's apocryphal, probably, but there was this kind of thing that when that that um, that uh, animal um, processing center, when one day the uh, the prevailing winds, which usually go from west to east, went from east to west, and the people on the upper east side started smelling it. That's when people said you got to do something about it. Uh, so uh, that's again—that's kind of apocryphal, but. But I think particularly due to, you know, a greater activism that occurs, a willingness to um, resist government, I mean, to resist, just accept what the government was doing the willingness for the community to become more involved. Um, And I guess the, you know, the fact that newer people were coming into the area, people who were more interested in um, higher standards I mean, all of these things both resulted in greater pressure upon government to be responsive, higher standards, uh, and, of course, the expectation that, you know, whenever you raise the bar, you said, well, yes, it has to be raised a bit higher and then a bit higher and a bit higher, which in many ways is all to the good. Um, In terms of how Greenpoint is now in other ways, the you know, it's a kind of a mixed thing. I mean, it's become from... I mean, you could see and I could see from 50 years ago uh, that, you know, when you were so close to mid Manhattan, and yet the land prices, rent prices were so low that something was kind of out of kilter. I mean, the the fact that the, the, the housing stock was, except for some areas like, you know, like what's now the Greenpoint Landmark District, uh, really was really not that great. I mean, it was the kind of housing for people who would live until they could afford more and then move out. Um, uh, did work to lower that, but, you know, in the long run, you saw that proximity to the middle of Manhattan was going to have an effect and certainly has had one over the last half century. And, you know, particularly with the, um, uh, development that occurred first in Long Island City and now is on the north side and now is stretching into Greenpoint. You could really see it, the, the prices. As I said, when, when, when we were looking for apartments and living space in 2001, um, we found, um, again, our, what we're paying, and this is a large 1,100 square foot, uh, two large bedroom apartment uh, in Forest Hills half a block from Subway um, uh, in a considered an upscale area we were able to buy this and our maintenance and uh, mortgage was was equal to what we would probably get something clearly inferior in Greenpoint if we tried to get it even in 2001 we couldn't and of course the continued increase in the property and things like that how it has changed the community, you know. There again, there you, you can't, you, you know, you can't be overly nostalgic. Uh, there are a lot of great things that are there. I mean, um, when I was growing up, we had one Chinese restaurant, uh, that by any real scale was pretty crappy, uh, but nobody knew it because there was nothing to compare it to. Uh, now, you know, I remember. I remember, like somewhere in the late '70s, early '80s, when the first Thai restaurant opened, and it was like, "God," uh, you know, <laughs> something happening. But now it's a very different situation. Uh, but you know, again, you're looking at the other side of it. I mean, the um, unfortunately, I think um, some of the rezonings that occurred, particularly on the norths on on the waterfront, while well, they were welcome in terms of opening up the the um, the area. Um, Certainly, um, greatly increasing the amount of public access. Uh, certainly, I think provided too few controls over what kind of buildings could be built there, and um, you know certainly is changing the, the, the nature and character of the of the area. Um, the um, uh, the you know well, the, the basic. Um, uh, you know, buildings there. You know, also in, even within the residential blocks have changed in scale of the of, of the area. I know that about probably about ten years ago there was some tweaking of the zoning ordinance, which made it a little more difficult to build out of scale buildings in R six zones, which um, was I think a very good development. And I mean, there's a friend of mine who you may will talk but you might want to haven't spoken to her um, was involved somewhat on this matter and the community board was also involved in that that I think made it a little better I mean by that time however a lot of that out-of-scale development had already occurred uh, greatly in the north side and the northern part of Williamsburg um, but that kind of changed a little but looking at the, the sheer amounts of it it's, and again how things are going I mean uh the Polish population, I think, while it's still ample, is certainly not as dominant as it had been. And um, the, 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 popu- the 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 population of newer Poles coming coming into the country, which would have replaced people moving out, which would have stabilized, basically couldn't afford it. So it's now making areas like uh, Ridgewood and uh, um, uh, I guess Middle Village more, uh, a Polish area, not necessarily because people uh, want to move there, but because they can't afford. And it's just, you know, changing it, you know. So it's, it, it's a very, you know, it's that kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I can also say, um, and I do think there've been some really good, good developments in terms of making the waterfront more accessible. I mean, I, I there are things that I'm pretty proud of that I was involved in, and, and both working for, a was well, city councilman at one time, and then work for the community board is that was able to and working I guess from with Pfizer which was at the time had had a facility right just north of the Grand Street Park were able to get one of the initial grants to do some of the some improvements that occurred and then as a board member we strongly supported the um the city's basically making it a park uh, one one interesting aside on that matter was that while most people supported it um uh, I found it humorous that one of the groups that did not like it were the owners of uh, the domino sugar who basically said well that might create a place where our workers might just want to hang out you know and uh, their lunchtime may they, uh, they may wind up spending too much time out there but keep them from their <laughs> which I thought was uh, 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 well you know it's uh, well at least it was honest <laughs> but uh, but that's been, and I, I mean, and whenever I come back, and I have just love that park now as it looks. And it uh, was also when I was the chair of the Capital Budget Committee, we were able to working with the local councilman and Councilman Gurgis to get some money to uh, at least do some upgrades in what had been a fairly abandoned and not and, and hardly used park over, I guess, the East, I think it's called the East, uh, Eastern District Barge East River Park, you know, right across from Box Street, where you know, some money. We were saying, you know, one of those things. If you build something, if you do something, people will come, and I think, it it made it more act that plus a new people moving in and stuff more active, and it's great to see that occur. And you know, while I was not involved in those things, and so things have occurred. I mean, the development of other things, um, the whole Bushwick Inlet. Uh, Park which is a wonderful you know I mean I unfortunately it's you know the 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 judge who gave a ridiculously high eminent domain award on on part of property uh, would ensure the fact that the city would probably have to pay far more for the acquisition than it did but that has occurred and uh I really look forward to seeing um the more work I mean I had um Maybe about a, ten years ago, I had done a walking tour um, called Tracing Bushwood Creek, which um, basically, would the only the stub of the inlet is still there, but that used to go right into uh, significant. It was really created the boundary between Williamsburg and Greenpoint. I mean, it's it's uh, it was where went th- flew through, flowed through McCarran Park. I mean, it, the fact that it was just recently drained at around the turn of the last century uh, made it a, 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 a possible to develop a large-scale uh, recreational facility uh, without you know, some of the kind of eminent domain and, and other issues that otherwise would have been the issue. And given the fact that with the opening of the Williamsburg Bridge, the population of that whole area, particularly Williamsburg, just absolutely exploded, you needed something like that so, you know, and then we looked through it and uh, I'm glad to see that, um, you know, I mean, when I was growing up, you didn't even know the inlet was there because it was, there was like a high brick wall. Uh, you knew there was something over there, but you weren't exactly sure what. And it wasn't there. until then. I, I found out by basically with some friends trespassing and getting a great sense of it. So that yeah, was always like. That. And then, of course, it was to look at how while the, while the creek doesn't exist, it hasn't existed for a century. Um, it still impacted the area. Again, there wouldn't have been a McCarran Park there without it having been there before. Um, a lot of industrial buildings that were around, and and uh, since McCarran Park was 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 built, it was was the middle of an industrial zone caused by Bushwick Creek. It was until this, I mean, this century, surrounded mostly by industrial buildings. And therefore, it was only now in the last 10 or 15 years that you're now seeing uh, the kind of things that you would usually see built around parks, which was basically nice residential, classy things being built. But that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for, you know, it's kind of crazy historical background. So, I mean, I I was also, there were things, really been very happy with a number of things. and I was involved in a number of items also in terms of environmental issues. And, um, you know, I mean, one of the issues was there was a huge concern. It wound up becoming mooted because the plan never went anywhere to develop a uh, kind of -of state-of-the-art incinerator uh, along the East River, which would have been very much where I guess the, well, Con Edison had had a uh, uh, power plant uh, right around where Wallabout Channel comes in uh, south of the old Schaefer Brewery area. Um, and, you know, we did a lot of work in terms of that. I mean, I, frankly, to be perfectly honest, uh, in some ways, maybe I was um, somewhat behind the times of how things were going. So as the city needed a balanced um, uh, waste management plan, um, the landfills were drying up, the, in- the other incinerators were horribly polluting. Uh, mm-hmm. That wound up not getting any, it was just too much community opposition. And um, clearly, seeing what's there now, which are both the Schaefer things, the stuff that Spitzer family is building and other things like that, it's probably good that they didn't occur. But on the other hand, the city's, um, I think, absolutely atrocious waste management policy, which Mm -hmm. basically makes us almost um, at the mercy of of uh, uh, out-of-state places to receive most of our garbage. (laughs) I mean shows that, you know, that that was not good planning. I also must say that development that I, I just find fascinating is just the whole development about things that have been done around Newtown Creek. I mean, I would have, certainly I think things like the what's done at the very top of Manhattan Avenue, which has been done very nicely and beautifully, uh, was a perfect kind of thing. But I, you know, what I saw basically when we were talking about development was really to solidify the area around the creek, you know, going you know, from, say, the Pulaski Bridge eastward as heavy industry, that that would be a situation where particularly industries that we would, that would be, that were still existing but wanted to be lured out of waterfront areas where they clearly were becoming inconsistent with development could occur. And, and there were, it's actually interesting that there were other people who would be, saying, no, no, do that. Um, and, um, well, I mean, while well, I think Industries is there, I mean, I w- certainly couldn't conceive of such things as that nature walk that is currently there. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, I, unfortunately, I never got to it, uh, you know, um, before my uh, situation. Hopefully I'll be able to, one of these days, take a look at it. Uh, but to see that, and to see development of the, um, you know, development of the creek in that area for recreational use going that far, um, it's just was something kind of unbelievable for me. But it just shows how things have gone. I mean, uh, one thing that I was involved in, um, we're wound up getting pushback from people. I mean, I, I don't know. She probably is no longer alive but um, and if she is, then she's someone to talk to. i never heard of Irene Clementovich. Uh, I assume she passed, but what, no, she, she she's still alive. She's still alive. Wow, well, I'll give her my best. And uh, I mean, she was, for example, when, when the development of the, the manufacturing center, the one right at the top, uh, the building that we used to know of when I was growing up as the old jute mill, um, where I believe my mother's mother, my, my, my maternal grandmother worked, uh, um, and have it developed for um, like you know non-residential but industrial. I mean, uh, there was some pushback. We said this is a great area where you can do it. You can actually have really good, clean, safe, but really productive for industry. And you know, I was very proud and happy to have uh, been involved. You know, I think I was involved with the land use committee of the board at the time, and we really did support, you know, against the significant amount of, of, uh, of pushback uh, on that. You know, Irene, for example, was, you know, why can't we develop this for Indeed for residential? And, I mean, frankly, if the issue was up right now, I mean, that would probably be a far more, uh, uh, you know, uh, viable position now than it was then. I mean, I thought it was kind of crazy, actually, because... Uh, um, but that's worked well. And I think that's, um, you know, that was a good thing. And it's, it's also also interesting going back that when, how things have changed, just the landscape. Um, when one looks at the corner of, say you're at the corner of uh, Greenpoint Avenue, Manhattan Avenue, looking north, as the Manhattan Avenue widens, um, the vision that you got when I was growing up through the seventies through, You know, way into the early, well into the '80s, was something that was totally dominated by that building uh, at the top with nothing else, and now it's frankly dwarfed by many, many other buildings with more to come, and it just shows how things have changed over the time.
0: Yeah, was there anything else you'd like to share about Greenpoint?
1: Oh, let me see. Well, let me just think about it. Um, I'm thinking of all the recreational, the waterfront development. I mean, as I say, I think that I think it's really great and it's important that the, you know, the access to, you know, at least public access be emphasized. I mean, I would hope that You know I really do like the uh, the way in which it was the city did things up in the uh, Long Island City area where they really have created a terrific park I mean places where yeah there's a lot of luxury housing there's a lot of that but it also does provide places where anybody can come enjoy and uh, try to see that I think that I would hope that the Bushwick Park I mean I know that there are also plans where the uh, MTA has uh, properties over uh, which has been a continuing issue. I mean, that's right across the street from you, practically, where hopefully you can also see more recreational development occur there, which would open it up. I mean, that's the part of the creek which is in probably the best shape. Um, It's probably going to take to really get the, you know, I mean, to get the creek uh, besides... And again, I I guess I think that the the community has... um, Derive tremendous dividends from that uh, that super fund, which has uh, really thrown a lot of great money in for a lot of different things. I mean, I know a friend of mine was hap- was helpful even things not in the waterfront for uh, upgrades in McGover Park, for example, which which uh, can always need it. You know, and just try to make sure that it's not just used by you know just one part of the uh, the community. Um, but I I, I would uh, think that. Um, Um, you know, we'll see, we could see, you know, more things there to make it really a tremendous, uh, you know, part. But on the other hand, you know, I'm sure we're going to also see high developed, uh, you know, very high developed um, uh, access uh, to the, um, uh, I mean, just the kind of things that are building up. I mean, I I don't know how many stories is the... uh, the, the building right at the you know the on the old lumberyard. I mean that was that was always something. I mean you always knew the lumberyard was, I mean probably some of the most valuable property in the entire city that was, just being used for such you know, uneconomic things. And you knew something was going to happen, and well something is now. And uh, you know I would have liked to have seen a greater attention to scale, a greater certainly kind of economic integration. I mean I know that. I mean, I don't know what the affordable housing there is worth or whatever. You know, but it certainly it's probably not very affordable to a lot of people. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, since Greenpoint was never a poor community, I mean, I think we're not dealing with some. I mean, people are feeling the tinge. I mean, I, I certainly, in areas that are where there really are gentrifying, which really were poverty areas. I mean, like say in Bushwick, where. I think you really are seeing people just really being totally displaced because they can't afford the, you know, it's, it's and have to go. I mean, and where else in the city can you go? I mean, it's, uh, you know, East East New York, Brownsville, but it's not too much more of the areas that are still there, and East New York itself is starting to grow. Well, it's something of, I guess, what they call a renaissance, uh, and, um, but I think those are you know, those are, are certain things. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is there are a couple of things, as I said, I mentioned some stuff that I had written in this, this Greenpoint uh, blog, which, which, you know, I've also both things I wrote, I did, I did a lot of comments, so please make as much use of them as possible. I mean, I think they are all in the public domain, so, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which I certainly have no problems with. But I think it does, But I was writing was dealing with things. And, and, yeah, I also think a little bit of Greenpoint in the 70s also needs to be looked at. the, Because that was a period where the community did change, became a lot more activist, a lot more uh, insistence. Uh, I wrote a piece on uh, the block associations of Greenpoint during that time. I mean, it was mostly about the Morgan Avenue Block Association where I was the president and helped found... Uh, But with tremendous support from many other people, most of whom are no longer around. Um, But it showed how the community had to come back, how to work, to um, uh, stand up for itself. Uh, You know. On the other hand, there's, you know, government has to do things. You know, it's it's becomes. I mean, it's. I guess it's kind of having to thread the Robert Moses, Jane Jacobs needle, where, on the one hand, government must exist and must be able to be effective. I mean, there's, you just look how idiotic it's, you know, taken, idiotically long it's taken to build like three additional stops on the uh, Second Avenue line uh, uh, and the cost uh, and, and, and how it, there are things that need to be done the government. And, but on the other hand, you have to respect the you know the community. I mean, I, I think a big area that you're going to be seeing a lot of that happening is how the development plans and so rezoning that have recently been in, in the process in the Bushwick area go. I know that's not an area that you're directly involved in, but it's an interesting thing to look at because there the stakes are really high because you really are talking about uh, driving. Extensive populations out, people who simply could not afford to stay there, uh, and have to leave, uh, and proposals that might totally change the whole fabric of the area. And you know, those are you know, those are different things. I mean, you have to preserve, but at the uh, but on the other hand, you have to um, have to go forward. Right. So that's that's basically
0: it. So, well, thank you, John, for sharing your story.
1: Okay, if you have any other I, I have, you, have you spoken
0: to Marcy Boyle? She's on my list.
1: No, she's good. She's yeah. definitely someone you should definitely speak to she was she's really sharp and she uh, was really involved in waterfront development, was uh, actually involved in stuff for um, the some of the stuff on the park mm-hmm. and some of the tweaking of the rezoning that did occur, that I think did, uh, I mean, frankly, she was seeing, she lives on diamond between uh, Norman and Miserable, and was kind of seeing the, um, uh, some construction of buildings at a scale, and you know, and I think that that's, as I said, I think some of that was important that did occur, that you can't do as much of it as you could do in Greenpoint. So that's, you know, that's some of the, um, some of the things.
0: Right. Thank you so much. Oh, no, it's
1: been a pleasure.